Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of 1 Peter. Uh, you can find that printed in your bulletin, chapter 1, verses 13 through 21. How many of you have ever played Mad Libs? Okay, all right, almost everybody. All right, we're going to do something a little bit like Mad Libs, um, but we're going to try to give serious answers. So it's really just fill in the blank, okay? Um, but but I want you to but I want you to play along. Uh, a, a dad should be what? Give me some answers. Loving. Fun. Awesome. Kind. Kind of awesome. Patient. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, what about what about a soldier? A soldier should be what? Strong, they're strong. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is when you don't okay. What should a soldier be? Strong? Brave. Brave. Selfless, courageous, loyal. All right, what about a what about a Christian? What should a Christian be? Humble, brave. <laughs> what was that? Awesome. <laughs> Committed. All right, patient. Again. Uh, uh, loving, all these things. All right, you, you left one out, and I'm not surprised you left it out. You actually did it right. If you had said it, you'd have messed my illustration up. Um, so, so, you, so you, congratulations for not getting this. All right, you helped. One of the things that 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 none of us said, and maybe you were thinking this, and you're going to say, "Yeah, I was thinking this." Uh, did anybody, when I said um, a Christian should be, did anybody think of holy? Anybody think of the word holy? You know, I was, I was, I was thinking about this text we were going to read today, and kind of the, the, the guts of the, of the text is, you should be holy as, 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 as God is holy. But I think we kind of have an allergy to this word holy. Um, you know, when, when we were trying to come up with a name for the church, nobody said, hey, I think we should call it Holy Presbyterian Church. And if you had said that, I would have said, no, let's not call it that. Okay, I would have had the same sort of, I don't, I don't know that that's a good name. Now, why do you think that is? Why do we kind of have this, this allergy to the word holy? Um, maybe it's because when we hear it, we think of people who are holier than thou, uh, people who aren't very gracious or loving. Maybe some of us have grown up in very legalistic backgrounds where there are a lot of rules, but they weren't necessarily biblical rules. They're just hoops you jump through, and so that's what we think of. Um, maybe we think of people who are overly strict, not very kind. Uh, maybe you think of somebody who's too uptight when you think of the word holy. Like, oh, why do they always have to be such a boy scout about everything? All right, and, and have you ever noticed that People who are more strict about holiness than you are are too uptight. And people who are less strict than you are, well, they're just, they're just a little bit too loose. But wherever you are is like, that's right where you should be, right? <laughs> all right? We're always like, they're too, uh, they're too much. Like, hey, I've got it balanced. I've, I've figured this thing out. Um, you know, maybe we're always on edge because we know that people who aren't Christians 
think we're just a bunch of goody goodies anyway, and so, or, or maybe we think they think we're hypocritical for claiming to be holy, and we don't don't want to add to that image. But the word holy is a word that's used in the Bible a lot. Uh, it's actually used over 600 times to describe God uh, and to describe what Christians are actually called to be. Christians are called to pursue holiness. And so if, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and that's what this text is going to do, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time, uh, this, this text is going to encourage you to pursue holiness. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, then I hope what this does is that you'll see a little bit of why holiness is so important to God. So that's what this is going to be about. Let's look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. This is God's word. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. We pray for us. Uh, God, we pray that you would open our eyes and our minds uh, to hear your word. Uh, you call us to holiness. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd create a desire for that in our hearts this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Uh, through Peter... Uh, the man who wrote this letter, God is speaking to me, and he's speaking to you, and he's saying, Justin Kendrick, be holy in all your conduct. George Haddad, be holy in all your conduct. We could all go through, put our name in, and he's speaking to us, be holy in all your conduct. And what does that mean? Well, we throw the word around holy, but, but, but what does it mean when God says to you, be holy in all your conduct. Well, if you notice in verse 14, uh, we're told to live as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So there's this way that we used to live that wasn't holy. And the way that we're to live now, which is characterized by obedience, by living as obedient children. To be holy means to be obedient to the Father. It means to be morally blameless. Uh, to be holy means to be separated from sin so that we can be separated to God. And think about it like this. If you go up to Strawberry Hill or whatever later today and you're going to buy some peaches and you're kind of going through that, that box picking out the best ones, you're separating them out 
But you're not just separating them out and just kind of stick them over here and leave them, right? You're separating them out so that they can belong to you. And so holiness is like that. It's when we're separated from our sin, not just for the sake of just for whatever reason to be separated from sin, but so that we can actually belong to the one who is holy, so that we can actually belong to God. Uh, Holiness is the the opposite of, of immorality. It's the opposite of evil desires. It involves obeying God's law, being obedient to it. Uh, the state has certain laws. We had a new one this week. You can't text while you drive. Um, God has certain laws that we're called to be obedient to. And we've looked at those in the Ten Commandments. Uh, to be holy means to embrace God's law and to cherish God's law and to seek to follow God's law, not just because we have to, but because we're actually beginning to want to follow his law. Uh, all of us have probably have a favorite ice cream, and your ice cream has a certain flavor, and you can probably think about it real quick. Uh, Christians are to have a certain flavor. We're to be flavored by holiness. It ought to be one of the main things that describe us as Christians. Why? And that's what I want to spend the bulk of our time talking about. Why should we be holy? Why should we be holy? If, if we're saved by faith and not by works... If, as Peter has spent all this time leaning up to this verse saying, your salvation is a gift, you don't work for it, you don't earn it, that's what all the Bible is about. Why does it matter if our lives are holy or not? Why should the life of a Christian be characterized by holiness? Why should I presume to to stand up here and to tell you, hey, look, this is how you really ought to try to live? I'll give you you five reasons why we ought to pursue holiness from this text. Uh, Number one, Christians ought to pursue holiness... Because God is holy. Because God is holy. Look at verse 15. As he who called you is holy. Verse 16. You shall be holy as I am holy. Uh, if, If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the God you profess to worship, the God that you would say, hey, I have a relationship with him, is morally perfect. Uh, he's, he's absolutely pure. His character one is, is one of absolute purity. There's not the tiniest bit of evil in him. First uh, John 1 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. None at all. I mean, think of the, the best person you know, all right? The person you kind of put up on a pedestal, the person who always seems to do the right thing and they never get irritated too easily. You know, though, that person is as great as they may seem, you know they have flaws, and you may even know some of those flaws. And you know they have sins, and you know they even have secret sins that you're not aware of. They're tainted by sin. God is not tainted by sin. There's no blemish in his character. There's no stain in the holiness of God. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then, then this God has sent Jesus not just to save you from the penalty of sin, but also to save you from the power of sin as well. He's, he's come to save you in order to make you something. He saved you in order to make you holy. Uh, he's come to give you a, a brand new operating system, if you want to look at it like that. He, he's come to make you a new person. And so it doesn't make sense to continue to live as the person that you were uh, before. Put it like this. 
What if, what if Keith invited you to be, like, sent an invitation just to you and said, I want you to be a part of the music team. And you're, you're really excited because you've always secretly longed to be a part of the music team. And so you showed up on Sunday morning and you're, you're, you're getting ready to practice. Um, and, and, and you looked at the music and you said, I don't, I don't really like these tunes. I mean, I, I know you picked them out, Keith, and they're, they're great and everything, but I don't really like these I think we should set all of the hymns that we sing to Nickelback tunes. <laughs> all right. And then, and, and that would just, just amazing grace to, I want to be a big rock star. That would just be, that's what we need to play. And then all during practice, you started playing that way. And Keith kept looking at you. You're like, what? This is the way I think that we ought to do this. Eventually, he'd look at you and say, I don't think you really want to be a part of the music team. You just want to play what you want to play. When, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, he's intent on changing the music that you play. He's intent on, on changing the music of our lives from the music of sin to the music of selfishness and changing that to the music of holiness, to love for God, to love for our neighbor. And if, if you have no desire to play that, then you have to ask yourself, do I really know this God that I claim to have a relationship with? Because he calls me to be holy as he's holy. We pursue holiness because the God we claim to know is a holy God. That's the first reason. The second reason we pursue holiness is because sin is, is ignorant and, and futile. Uh, look at verse 14. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. All right, it reminds me a little bit of, of Romans 6, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. Uh, continuing to sin, continuing to live in disobedience to God's law is, is kind of like playing an out-of-tune piano over and over and ex- just playing it harder, expecting the music to get better because you're playing harder. It just doesn't make sense. When, when we sin, we're looking at what the Creator has said to us, and we're going, no, you know, I, I, I think I just know better than you do. And Peter says that that way of thinking is actually an ignorant way of thinking. Uh, when we sin, we think we're gaining life. We think we're, we're, we're grabbing something that's good for us, that's going to make us happy. And Peter says that's futile. It never works out the way you think it's going to work out. It's not going to give you the happiness that you long for. Uh, I'd imagine that, that some of us, maybe many of us today even, we keep going back to the same well of a, of a pet sin, and we keep going back to that, and we keep drawing water from it, thinking it's going to be cool, thinking it's going to be refreshing, that this is the time that it's, it's really going to satisfy us and quench our thirst. But every time it's like we're drinking sand. And it never does for us what we think it's going to do. And Peter says, don't you remember? Don't you remember what that was like? Don't you remember how futile that was? Don't you remember how useless it is to try to find life apart from God? Don't go after that. Be holy. Be holy. We pursue holiness because God is holy. We pursue holiness because we're becoming more and more convinced that pursuing sin really is ignorant and 
futile. There's a third reason we pursue holiness. We pursue holiness because God is our Father. Uh, verse 14 calls us to live as obedient children. Verse 17 says, if you call on him as Father. Um, today's Father's Day, right? And, 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 and we're rejoicing, Dad, we're celebrating today. This is our day. Uh, some of us rejoice in the man that your dad is and in the way he raised you and the things he's done for you. Uh, some of us don't have much use for our dads. And we really struggle with, with who they are, and we struggle to forgive them because maybe they never were, and, and maybe they still aren't the man that, that they should be, the father that they should be. But if you have a, but if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, you do have a father. You have a father who always loves you, uh, a father uh, who won't betray you. Uh, a father who won't be harsh to you, a father who will discipline you, but will always do it in a way that's for your good, a father who always has your best interest in heart, and he's adopted you into his family. He's given his son for you in order to do this. He loves you, and he's shown you this. And now as your father who cares for you, he calls you to trust him, and he calls you to obey him. Uh, that's where the, the struggle is for us, I think, a lot of times, is to trust that my Father knows best, to trust that these commands that he gives me are actually life-giving to me, and that I'm not the one who gets to kind of decide in every situation what's best. When I was uh, probably about four years old, we were sitting at a gas station, and my dad was, my, my, I, I guess I was in the car with my mom, and my dad was pumping the gas, and if you remember in those days, the, the gas tank was behind the tag on the back of the car, so he's back behind the car, and the gas tank's sitting right here, and if you remember, the, the, the on-off switch used to be on the side of those tanks, um, and there was a guy on the other side pumping gas also, and I leaned out of the car window and flipped the lever on his gas tank off, so that as he's standing there, suddenly nothing's happening. And he's yelling at the guy in the booth, hey, why'd you turn the gas off? And the guy's like, I didn't turn the gas off. And so that went on for a while. Then someone finally figured out what I had done. And, and, and I've blacked out whatever punishment I got for that. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really remember what happened to me. Uh, but, but I had to learn that, that as a child, I just didn't get to look at the situation and decide, hey, I think this would be fun or this would be good or this would be right just because I think so that my father, my parents have the final say on what is right and, and on what I should be doing. And I have to submit to that, their authority. We're all still learning that lesson with God, aren't we? Um, that, that he does know what is best and his commandments are good for us. And we have to learn to obey him. And when we grow and be, we're more and more able to do that the more we realize he's our father and that he loves us and that he wants what's best for us when he gives us these commandments. Uh, so, so we pursue holiness because God's holy. We per pursue holiness because sin is useless. We pursue holiness because the God who calls us to it is our Father. Uh, but then fourthly, we pursue holiness because God's also the judge. Look at verse 17. If you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. 
Now, what's Peter getting at when he says this? Uh, this could be a reference to the future judgment after we die, when each one of us will have to give an account before God. Uh, at that time, even those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ will be judged, will we'll appear before the judgment seat of God, and our lives will show whether the things that we professed were real or not, or whether we were just, you know, just saying it to say it. Uh, Peter could be referring to that, but, but he's more than likely probably referring to the fact that in this life, uh, God will judge, he will discipline those sons and daughters whom he loves. That, that he's, a, he's a righteous judge, and he's going to discipline us in order to conform us more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Um, those of you who are parents, you know you have to discipline your children at times. I have to discipline my children at times, as hard as that may be to believe. Um, but we all have to discipline our children. And when we do it, it's painful for them and painful for us. But we know that, that it's for their own good. Um, when our Father disciplines us, we can know, when he judges our conduct and, and disciplines us, we can know that he still loves us and he does this for our own good. Look at it like this. If my yard needs cutting, all right, we've got a pretty big yard, and if, if my grass needs cutting and I hire a yard service to do the work, and they come out and they do a bad job, you know, they run over a couple of small trees that I've planted and they scalp half the yard and they just do a, a genuinely bad job, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, that's not acceptable. I'm not paying you for the job you just did. I'm going to evaluate their work, and I'm going to pronounce a judgment on it. And you would all say, well, yeah, that's absolutely right. What if, on the other hand, I ask my son or one of my sons or Emma to, to, to cut the grass? And they go out and they cut the grass, and they do the exact same thing that the yawn service did. They knock over a couple small trees, and they scalp half of it. What am I going to say in that case? Am I, say, am I going to say that's unacceptable? Am I going to fire them from being my son or my daughter and say, you need to go live with the rights? Uh, that's where all the bad grass cutters live. Um, am I going to do that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, hey, that's, you know, that was a good effort. And, and here's a few places where you can do a better job next time. And here, let's, let's raise the mower blade up a little time so we don't scalp the yard next time. Let's keep working on that and we're going to keep working on that and if you mess up next time we're going to work on that again now on the other hand if i ask one of my children to cut the grass and then 30 minutes later i find them swimming in the swimming pool um then that's a little that's a little different discussion right the the, the tone of the discipline changes a little bit there may be more consequences but they won't cease to be my child and i won't cease to love them if, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, then your attempts, you know, you're hearing about this holiness of God, and you're like, all right, I'm going to try to be holy as God is saying. Your or my doing that, if, you, if we're not a believer in Jesus Christ, is like that long crew that's done a bad job and still wants to get paid for our work. God looks at us and he says, that's not acceptable. I'm not going to pay you for that. And we say, well, how can it be acceptable? How can my work be acceptable? 
He says, it's only through the finished work of my son. You need a savior. You can't present your work to me as a payment. You need a savior. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've trusted Jesus as your savior, that means you've been adopted as a son or adopted as a daughter of God. And God will discipline you when you consistently ignore his law. But he disciplines you as a son. He doesn't look at you and say, that's not acceptable, get out of my house. He doesn't look at you and say, that's no good, you can't be my son anymore. He says, you know what, that's a good first effort. And let's work on that. And we're going to get better at that. I love you. And I'm glad you're my son. And there may be times... Uh, when based on your behavior and what God sees in our heart, that his discipline is more severe or less severe, but he never stops loving you and you never stop being his son. And so we pursue holiness because God is holy, because sin is ignorant, because God is both our father and our judge at the same time. And then last thing here, verse 18 Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways you inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Why should I be holy? I need a reason for holiness. Uh, look at Jesus Christ. Look at the Lamb of God. Before the foundation of the world, God the Father knew my evil thoughts, my evil desires. Uh, he knew my idolatry. He knew my love of the darkness. But even then, he had a plan to bring me out of all of that. He sent his son. His son who gladly came to rescue me. Even though he knew my evil thoughts and my evil desires and my evil deeds and my idolatry and my love of the darkness. Jesus came and he gladly underwent the temptations of this life. The harshness of life in a fallen world. Yet he never once disobeyed his father. And so he showed himself to be a suitable sacrifice, a lamb without blemish, a lamb without defect. Jesus hung on the cross, and on that cross, uh, he was subject to the, the, the category five winds of the wrath of his father that fell on Jesus and not on me. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus ransomed you. He bought you with his blood. He delivered you from an empty way of life that was, was leading to hell. And he gave you an inheritance that Peter's always, already described as imperishable and undefiled and unfading and kept in heaven for you. See, what all that means is, is that you don't have to sin anymore. Because Jesus has freed you from the power of sin. That's not who you are fundamentally if you're in Jesus Christ. What that means is you don't have to try to pay for your own sin. Because Jesus has freed you from the guilt of sin. You don't have to go back to those habits that were so enslaving because Jesus has set you free. We pursue holiness because God is holy because sin is futile and ignorant because God is both the judge and my father at the same time we pursue holiness because Jesus has ransomed me from all of that 
and I don't need to. I don't have to sin any longer. I don't pursue holiness because I am trying to earn my salvation. In fact, if you're pursuing holiness in order to earn your salvation, you're never going to gain salvation. I pursue holiness because I want to be like the one who saved me. I want to be like my father who loves me. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask that you would um, take away our allergy to this word, to the word holiness, uh, our allergy to the idea of obedience. Father, we know that we are saved by grace and not by our obedience, but we know that it's your desire to make us into people who are holy, who are obedient. It's your desire to make us into people who are like our Father, who loves us. Help us to see that. Uh, to hear that that's good for us, but not just to hear it, but to believe it. And God, would you give us the grace to actually be holy? We didn't really talk about the how today, but we know that that holiness ultimately is a gift from you. So we pray that you would give us holiness. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.